Lord, I pray that you bless Jody as she communicates your word. Um, I thank you, Lord, that in the New Testament you pour your spirit on the men, the women, the young people. Lord, that we are filled with your goodness. And um, I pray that not just her, but your word would instruct us. And I thank you for her, and I pray you'd fill her with your power and boldness. And that we'd listen to what you have to say, not just what she has to say. In Jesus' name, can I hear amen? Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. That's left, left, right, and all that. He's telling me how to do the technology, because I need it. <clears throat> I will explain that in a minute. Um, so I'm happy to be here this morning. I'm happy to be able to bring this message. Uh, it was not an easy message to come up with uh, simply because I studied and studied and studied, and then I fried my hard drive because I spilled water on it. So, um, yeah, so fried the hard drive, there went all my notes and all my journals from the past 15 years and all these things. So Eric asked me if I backed everything up. How do you do that? So anyway, um, so it was kind of a desperate thing, I have to admit. I uh, kind of panicked a little bit. And um, so yesterday morning, I went, this is, not, this is not my laptop. This is the one that my daughter uses uh, for her school. And um, I went to study yesterday morning and opened it up and like, like all of these ads, like literally like 12 different ads and I was like trying to close them out and everything and they just kept popping up and then warning, warning, you may have adware and I'm like, oh yeah, shut up and you know, trying to close it out and everything and sure enough, Eric took it in and we had adware. Now we have had Macs for 20 some years and I've never, ever, ever had a virus, ever. We've never had anything and so <clears throat> the conversation in our home yesterday morning was something like this. Eric, I don't think God wants me to give the message. I think you need to do it. <laughs> and he said, well, honey, don't you think maybe this is the enemy trying to prevent you? No, I think, it's, I think you're supposed to bring it. <laughs> I think it's supposed because I studied and then I lost oh. So anyway, yeah, I, I really, you know, I appreciate him saying that I'm just myself because I, I realized that everybody else was taken, so I'm just me. So um, so I did, I did seek the Lord, and he was very gracious, and, but it wasn't without its moments. So uh, Ron, can you show, have you guys seen this? Moses awaits the word of, the, of God. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt yesterday. <laughs> you know when you send somebody a text and you're kind of like, and then you're like, maybe I shouldn't have sent that text. And then they don't reply. And then you see the three little dots. And you're like, okay, so they're reading it. Then it disappears. You're like, no, <laughs> text me back. Anyway, so that's kind of how I felt yesterday as I was awaiting the word of the Lord. <laughs> so yes, I did cry. I don't cry easily over frustration. I'm more of a, like a happy crier or like an emotional crier. I don't really cry about things like that. But yesterday was, yeah, it got to me, the whole technology thing. So can't live with it. Can't live without it. So um, if you would, speaking of technology, if you'd open up your smartphone or your not burned hard drive laptop or whatever, your, you have a, What? Wow, can you hold that thing up? Show people. We have, we have a, is that paper? Wow. Wow. <laughs> Turn to Nehemiah chapter 9. I love, I love, love, love this passage. And uh, it, it's amazing to me. It was like God was just bringing things to light. And I hope that I can communicate them clearly to you. 
Um, we're just going to start out, we're just going to do the beginning part. Um, we're going to do just verses 1 through 6. So, starting with verse 1. On October 31st, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law of the Lord their God was read aloud to them. Then for three more hours they confessed their sins and worshipped the Lord their God. Verse 4, the Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Cadmiel, Shebaniah, Bunai, Sherebiah, Bani, another one, that was, that was the most popular baby name in, in that year for boys. And Kenani stood on the stairway of the Levites and cried out to the Lord with loud voices. Then the leaders of the Levites, again, Jeshua, Cadmiel, Benai, Hashabaniah, Sherebiah, Hodiah, Shebaniah, and Pethiah called out to the people. Stand up and praise the Lord your God, for he lives from everlasting to everlasting. Then they prayed, may your glorious name be praised. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. You alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserve them all and the angels of heaven worship you. What I found from this passage was there are 10 principles that we can observe that lead to repentance. Now, historically, what was happening here was, you know, they just, they just did this major project, right? Rebuilding the wall. If you know the history of this, if not, it's, it's such a good story. It's so symbolic of our lives. Uh, and this was actually like the first time they had kind of reconvened and come back together, and they're trying to reestablish kind of who they are. And they, they go into this time of repentance. And, you know, the word uh, repent means to change your mind, like to repent, like when you're penitent, you think about things, and um, to repent, but it also means to be sincerely remorseful for your wrongdoing. So the Israelites came together in this time of repentance, and I found that there are 10 principles that we can learn from in this particular passage. Now, I really want to point out the, the significance of this. These are principles. These are not formulas. Okay? They are not laws. These are principles. They're not rules. They're... You're starting to catch on. That's not a checklist. These are... They're not obligatory. They're principles. These are principles. These are things that you can follow. You know... All of the ways of the Lord are good and just, right? Everything that the Lord does is for our good and for our benefit. I was sharing with First Service, you know, if you're a pet owner, you know, pet owners, pet owners, who are you? Identify yourselves. Okay, I don't mean just people that, like, have a dog or have a cat that just kind of runs around. I'm talking about pet lovers. Identify yourselves. Okay, you love your animals. How many of you let your animals sleep in your bed? Okay. These are the pet lovers. Okay. Everything that you do for that pet is because you love them and you want to bless them, right? Almost everything? Pretty much most everything? When you go to the store and you spend $8 on a bone that they're going to demolish in about two minutes, they don't appreciate it, right? For you who are parents, if you are... Even when you discipline your children, you're doing it because of their good, hopefully. I mean, we're not all pure in our motives, but for the most part, parents want to bless their children. They want to bless their children. They want their children to do better than they do, right? And everything that God does for his children is motivated because he loves us so much. So he gives us these principles in this passage to not say, well, you need to do these things, and then I'll love you. He al already loves us perfectly, completely. He already loves us. These principles are designed for us and to help us. And so I'm going to, to try to show you 
some, some of the principles, 10 principles that help us as we come before the Lord in repentance, in allowing the Lord to change our minds. Okay? The first one, it says that God's people assembled together. Assembling together. Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It's so important for us to be together. It's so important. You know, we don't go to church as a religious exercise. We don't go to church and check it off our to-do list. We do it because there is a dynamic that takes place when we come into the house of God, right? When we come together, there is something significant that takes place. When we stand before the Lord and worship the Lord together, when we hear his word together, there is a spiritual principle that takes place. Okay, it's not, it's not a religious exercise. It's for our good. I did a, a pretty intensive study on uh, the, the hunting patterns of wolves. You're like, what? <laughs> what I found was that what wolves do, you know the Bible, Jesus talks about that there will be wolves in sheep's clothing among you. Okay? So what wolves do, this is really interesting. First of all, they hunt in packs because they're canines, right? So they hunt in packs. And what they want to do is they want to get their prey to run. They don't want their prey to just stand there. Because if they're standing there, they're not going to get worn down. But a wolf can run like up to 15 miles. They're just sitting there running. So they try to, to wear down their prey. And then what they do is they run, as they're chasing, they're running, like there'll be a whole herd of whatever, I don't want to say some kind of weird animal, but like, um, help me here, elk, okay? So they'll be sitting there running, and they'll be watching for the sick one, or the weak one, or the lame one. They'll just be watching and waiting. And then what they try to do is they try to separate them from the rest of the herd, and then they attack them and devour them. So that, to me, speaks about how the enemy wants to function in our lives. You know, the wolves that are in sheep's clothing, they look just like us. They look like they believe the same things as us. But they're looking for the sick ones and the weak ones and the lame ones to try to separate them out so they can devour them. So conversely, I watched this video that was so crazy. It was, it was these three sheep, and this wolf was trying to attack them, trying to come and scare them, but the sheep just stood there. And then pretty soon the wolf would come up to him, and then the three sheep were like, and they ran after it. And the wolf ran away. And I was like, wow, that's so cool, because they were together. The three sheep were all together. So there is so much power in us being together. Eric talked about being involved in a community group. You know, it's so much easier for us to be honest and open and real when we're with other people that are being honest and open and real and accepting. And so the thing is, it says in Hebrews 10, it says, it says don't neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. And, you know, I did a study on my first sermon that I wrote that got burnt up, the one, the one that I lost, um, still working through that, as you can tell, um, on the names of all of those priests, like one of them means God, or one who saves, one of them means one who builds up, one of them means the flame of the Lord, one of them means um, one who restores. I mean, their names are very significant, don't just gloss over names, because names mean something, especially in the Old Testament. You know, we just name our kids, you know, whatever's popular for that time, or after our grandfather or whatever, but in the Old Testament, their names were very significant, and it's so crucial for us to be around people who build us up, people who who want to see us restored, people who remind us of who we are in Christ, people who, wanted, who tell us that we're forgiven when we're feeling overcome with shame, 
We want to be around people who will build you up. And may I please just offer you permission that if you're around people that are not building you up, now I'm not talking about spouses here. Okay, I, I, could, I just realized I, just could, I could really go deep here, but <laughs> try to surround yourself with people who build you up and encourage you in the Lord. That's what we're called to do. We're not called to get together to tear each other down or to get involved in, you know, activities that don't honor God. Okay, so the second thing um, that's really significant, a principle that is really meant for a blessing to us is fasting. It says that they fasted. Can I hear a big amen? Woo! Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Matthew 6, 16, Jesus is saying this. When you fast, what does it say? Does it say if? Or if you feel like it? It says when you fast. Don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. But when, there it is again, foregone conclusion, Jesus is saying, when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face, then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. This is saying that when you fast, you will be rewarded. When you fast. Throughout my Christian life, I have made it a practice to fast quite regularly. And I cannot even begin to tell you the miracles that I have seen and the deliverance that I have seen. I mean, really significant things. And it's not because, again, you can't twist the arm of God, trust me, it's way too big. But there are significant things that happen. Even Jesus said some things only come out through prayer and fasting. You know, and if you've been in bondage to the same thing for years, I just strongly suggest fasting. Even if you haven't been in bondage for years, when you fast. And the thing is, you can start out really small, just skip one meal, or... I think they call it the Methodist fast where you eat lunch and then you don't eat dinner and you don't eat breakfast and then you eat lunch the next day. That's kind of an easy way to do it because you're sleeping most of the time during that time. But you can work your way up to a three-day fast, 10-day fast, 21 days, or 40 days like Jesus. You know, it said that in Luke 4, it said that, you know, Jesus had fasted for 40 days and he was hungry. No duh. 40 days is the longest you can go because that's when your body starts to starve to death. But you can go up to 40 days without food. And um, the power of the fast, I mean, talk to people who fast on a regular basis and ask them to share some of their stories with the significant things. I mean, I've seen, I've seen men set free from pornography. I've seen people come out of all kinds of bondage from fasting. So it is a very significant thing. And anytime Jesus says, when you do this, your father will reward you, I think that's something to take note of. Don't you? Okay. Uh, Number three, it says uh, that they wore burlap, or some translations say sackcloth. So today we're going to talk about fashion. (laughs) No, not really. Um, Sackcloth was... the sack that they put um, like seed in or they carried things. In those days, it was made of goat's hair, like a black goat's hair, it said. And it was very uncomfortable. And it was, at, it was to remind them of the, the fact that they were in this season of repentance. But what it really symbolized was a, a deep remorse for their sin. It was a way they would wear these clothes when they were mourning as a reminder. And so 
in the same way that when we come before the Lord in a time of repentance, we don't want to just admit our sin. Because it's one thing to say, yeah, I'm really selfish. Like, yeah, I'm really selfish. In, as opposed to saying, I'm so selfish and it's killing me and it's hurting people around me. You see, it's a big difference. And this is a time where they were remorseful and they were mourning over their own wrongdoing. And number four, it says that they sprinkled dust on their heads. What? Why would they sprinkle dust? Anybody know? Because the Bible says that we were formed from the dust, and to dust we shall return. So sprinkling dust on their head was just a reminder of who they were. It was a humility. It was an act of humility that they were coming before their maker and recognizing who they were. So when we are in a season of repentance in our lives or a time where we, where we come into the Lord's presence to come in with humility, because remember it says that whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And it says humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. And I have to say, you know, this morning when I woke up and I was just praying because I said, Lord, I, I just want to bring you, bring your word. And I was just struck. It was like the Lord was just saying, just remind them of my love. You know, it's so much easier to feel safe with a God when you know that he's for you. And you know that everything he does is for your benefit. And so when we come into his presence with that humility, there's a significant point where the Lord says yes, and he lifts us up, and he delivers us. Uh, The fifth thing, the fifth principle is they separated themselves. Some translations say they separated themselves from their strange wives. So husbands, this is not permission if your wife is a little different. This isn't, a, this isn't permission for that. Um, but it's what this is talking about. See, what had happened was some of the Israelites had gone and married foreign women. Or what it meant was they were pagans. They were women who didn't believe the same thing that they believed. They weren't, they weren't God's chosen. And it messed them up. And the thing is, I think we become so inoculated with the patterns of this world that we take on the attitudes of the world because of media, because of the people sometimes that we hang out with. And I just, again, I'm not trying to be legalistic or lay down the law, but I'm saying if you... If you are receiving counsel from people that don't know the Lord and aren't leading you to godly principles, you are going to get deceived. Because the Bible is clear, bad company corrupts good morals. It doesn't say good company brings bad company up, right? Bad company corrupts good morals. And the thing is, because we are so bombarded with the media and the way the, the, the world thinks, we start to think we're crazy for thinking something different. We need to be saturated with the truth. Because the world says, oh, well, you need to claw your way to the top. And that's by stepping on top of other people and putting other people down. The world says, oh, girl, you need revenge. Right? The world says, oh, he is not going to treat you like that. Right? Right? The world tells us that we have our rights. Right? The world says that if if we exalt ourselves, then we'll make it to the top. When everything about Jesus, and we're supposed to be conformed to his image, is about surrender and giving up your rights, your rights. You know? Humbling ourselves before God. And if we're hanging out with the world and they're all gossiping, it's so tempting, isn't it? Isn't it so tempting? You want to start gossiping with them. Because a lot of stuff they're saying is probably true. But that doesn't matter. We're called to encourage. We're called to build others up. Right? We're not called to have revenge, to take revenge on people. It says make room for God. Make room for God. The Lord says, I will avenge. 
He says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Leave room for God, right? We don't have to get revenge on people. We want to, but what does Jesus say? Yeah, we're blessed if we're persecuted for his name. Not, you're not blessed if you're persecuted because you're being an idiot. That's different. That's a whole different sermon. <laughs> okay, so they separated themselves. You know, Romans 12.1 says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says, don't conform to the patterns of this world. Don't get your counsel from the world. It's the opposite of the Bible, pretty much. Okay, does that make sense? Do I sound like a dogmatic legalist? Raise your hand if you think I do. Security? No. Um, okay, the, the next one, uh, number six. It says they confess their own sins. Psalm 32, one says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. And all my guilt is gone. I'm going to share a story with you that I don't really want to share with you because it doesn't make me look very good. Um, But it makes God look really good. And this particular passage, this this is something that's a really important passage of the scripture for me because I lived this during a season in my life. I think Eric and I had probably been married for about, I think it was a little over a year, and um, we were both uh, working as professional musicians. He was mostly working in the recording studio, and I, was, um, I had a little business called Black Tie Entertainment, and I'd go around and play at parties and corporate events and all of that. And I had, um, there was a man that I was working with who was booking a lot of my gigs, for me, and uh, you know, it started out. We just were, you know, talking about business. I apologize if I have shared this story with you. I probably have with many of you, or maybe I've even shared it publicly. But I really feel like the Lord has has asked me to share this story again. Um, but our conversations they started to linger a little longer, and then pretty soon he started making suggestions that, you know, I come up to his place and have lunch with him and um, maybe hang out once in a while. And so one night um, I played for a corporate event in downtown San Jose, and it was in a bad neighborhood, and so I needed someone to walk me out to my car when I was done, so I asked him if he would walk with me out to my car. And so um, we were talking and standing pretty close to one another. And, you know, there was like, there was a vibe there. And I know that had I let down my guard just for an instant, it would have gone south. Fortunately, nothing happened physically that night. Um, But I got in my car and I started to pray for him. Because if you would have asked me at the time, I would have said that I was witnessing to him. But I got in my car, and I was on my way home and started to pray, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me so clearly and said, you're having an emotional affair with him. And I was like, no, I'm not. Like arguing with God is going to get you anywhere, right? (laughs) I lost. But I really... I knew it, and I was, I was undone. I could not believe that I had let myself go there. 
And so uh, the next day, I confessed it to a friend of mine. And she said, you need to confess that to your husband. So I gave her the Christian answer. I said, I'll pray about it. (laughs) Which, as you well know, means no way. I am not confessing that. And so um, I didn't confess it. And then that night, I became very ill. Just this random headache and virus kind of a thing. I don't know if it was a virus. But anyway, I just got this horrible headache. And all the next day, it kept getting worse and worse and worse. Until I finally, I was in bed. I couldn't even get out of bed. And at the time, we were working in a studio, and I couldn't go to work with Eric. And, And so he knelt down next to the bed, and he goes, I'm so sorry you're sick. Let me pray for you. And I'm thinking, stop being nice to me. So he knelt down and he prayed for me, prayed that God would heal me. And the whole time I knew. Yeah. Um, Yes, Lord. (laughs) But I knew I was sick because I refused. I refuse to repent. I refuse to confess. It says, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away, and I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. So at that moment, after he prayed for me, I just grabbed his arm. I said, I need to tell you something. So he got down, and he's looking at me all compassionately. (laughs) And I said, I'm having an emotional affair with someone. And he said, I forgive you, like immediately. And I didn't want him to say that. (laughs) I mean, I didn't. I wanted him to be mad at me. I wanted to be justified. But at that moment, he forgave me. And I know that the Lord used that because the Lord was speaking through him. And not that it didn't hurt him, But at that moment, I was healed. My headache went away, and I was fine. I mean, I was still brokenhearted over my sin. But it was immediate. So I implore you now, because you cannot overcome God's word. You can't find a way to trick yourself out of it. There's no way around God's truth. And you cannot put God second and expect to live a life of blessing. So if you have something hidden in the dark, just confess it. Don't live in the dark. Satan is the prince of darkness. He will have a heyday with you. He will be like that wolf. He will sit and wait because you are going to be weak and you're going to be sick and you're going to be lame and he's going to carve you out and he's going to devour you. I'm not trying to use fear tactics. I'm telling you, the Bible says, I confess my sin and stop trying to hide my guilt and you forgave me and all my guilt is gone. Just get it in the light. Don't don't think that you can fool God. Don't think that just because you don't acknowledge that you have some kind of a tumor, that the tumor is not going to overtake you. Sin is like a cancerous tumor. 
Confession is like the surgery that will remove it from you. You forgave me and all my guilt is gone. I love to say, you know, one of my favorite things is that Jesus died for our sins, but he also died for our shame, and it took me the longest time to believe that because I believe that he died for all of that stuff in the past, but my shame kept me from being able to confess and to be honest and open and vulnerable. And you know, the thing is, I don't really love telling that story, except for the fact that it's evidence that God's word is true and that forgiveness is real and forgiveness can actually bring a healing to you, to your soul, and sometimes even to your body. I'm going to move on. Number seven, it says they confessed the sins of their ancestors. You know, the Bible says in Exodus, it says that the sins of the fathers will be visited upon the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. There are spiritual tendencies, some learned behavior, but there are spiritual tendencies that can be visited upon us. If you're a first generation Christian, or a second generation Christian, or even a third generation Christian, there can be things that can affect you that you might not have control over. Things that are coming, that are being visited upon you from your ancestors, your grandparents, your parents. Be aware of these things. If you know, if you can, I love sitting down talking to my parents and I ask them to tell me stories about relatives in the past. You know or when my grandparents were around, I would ask them. And I learned so much. And I learned so much about me and my tendencies and my weaknesses. And we've shared them with our kids. And we said, hey, these are things you need to look out for. These are things you need to be aware of. You know, there, are, there can be spiritual things that can impact you. And, and it says here that the Israelites confessed the sins of their ancestors. We can stand and confess the sins of our ancestors, even if we aren't, quote-unquote, guilty of the same sins. Right? And so that's something that the Israelites did. That's, that's a way that we can, we can get a deeper spiritual understanding of ourselves and of our own potentiality or weaknesses. Um, the next thing is it says they were standing in place. It said they stood in place. Why do they stand? Why do we stand during worship? Does anybody know? It's a, it's a, yeah, it's reverent, and it's a way to honor God. But we are the only creatures that stand upright. Even, you know, gorillas, they walk on their knuckles. I don't know why I made that face, but <laughs> that was my best gorilla face. <laughs> but you know, humans are the only ones who stand straight up. But even in doing so, we're standing before the king of the universe. That's pretty humbling, huh? But it is a way to show honor and to show reverence. And like back to the wolf and their prey, we stand. You know, it says, stand and see the salvation of the Lord. You know, it says, it says, having done all, to stand. You know, it says to stand because this battle is the Lord's, right? We stand our ground. We don't let the enemy attack us. We don't let him come in. We don't let him lie to us because we stand before our God and we honor our God. And the next one, it says that they, um, they heard God's word. It said that they... They sat there, and the, and the word of God was read aloud to them. And I just encourage you, you guys, you know, every time I stand up here, it's like my heart is just yearning for you to experience everything that God has for you. Because we make things so complicated. We make things so difficult for ourselves. Because we don't question our own motives, we question God's. Right? We don't question our own feelings. We question the word of God. Instead of believing the word of God and questioning our feelings. Right? And the thing is, things can be so much better for you. 
You do not have to live in anxiety. You do not have to live in fear. You do not have to live in bondage. You do not have to believe lies about yourself. You do not have to live in self-abasement. Because all of these things are contrary to God's word. And the more that you saturate your soul with the word of God, the more deliverance you will experience, the more you will be changed. His word is living and active. His word can heal us. His word can bring us freedom and insight and deliverance. But if you're filling yourself with talk radio or, and please do not hear me, I'm not one of those preachers that's like, you can't dance and you can't chew and you can't run with girls that do or whatever. I don't know what that saying is. But but what I'm saying is, you know, God's judgments are in all the earth, right? It's just like gravity. If I take this pick, I can hope all I want. I'm going to drop it, but I'm going to hope that it stays in the air. Okay, ready? Everybody with me? Mind meld. It fell. What? Why? Because of gravity. And God's judgments are the same. He says that you will reap what you have sown. If you reap to the spirit, you will sow to the spirit. If you reap to the flesh, you will what? Sow to the flesh. If you plant bad seeds in your brain, do you think that you're going to get blessings from God? I'm not being legalistic. I'm being logical, okay? This is logical. God's judgments are in all the earth. And if he says, fill your mind with the good things, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. How do you know what those things are? Because you know the word of God. You fill your mind with God's word. I love to go walking and I just take my phone Thank God for smartphones because I can take it with me and plug it in and, and I have my Bible app and I just go and I'll listen to the same chapter seven, eight, nine times just as I walk. Just listen to the same chapter. Just meditate. Say, God, speak something to me through this. Talk to me because I, I know you want to say something to me today. I want to hear what you have to say. You know, number 10 says that they confessed, again, it says they confessed, and they worshiped the Lord their God. You know, thankfully, we don't, thankfully, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we don't have to stand and confess our sins for three to six hours every day, thankfully. But we do have to admit and come clean and bring things into the light. And I uh, was listening to this missionary who was in China. And, um, you know, we're kind of some crazy things are happening with China right now. We have a lot of involvement with all things Chinese, and it's pretty cool. And, um, and so I'm really interested in the Chinese church because, you know, that 50 years ago, there were one, mil- or one million Chinese Christians. Now, 50 years later, there are 100 million Chinese Christians, and they can't meet together like this. They have to meet, I mean, they have, I think it's under 10 people can gather together in the house church. So there was this missionary, and he was over there, and he was talking to these Chinese people, and they were sharing with them all these crazy things, all these people that are coming to Christ, and people are getting healed, and people are, you know, having demons cast out of them, and all kinds of just amazing, amazing things. And then they said, well, tell us about the church in America. And so he started to tell them about the church in America. And they were just like, we want to see miracles like that. And this American missionary is like, what? what? You're seeing all these people come to Christ. You're seeing people healed and delivered and set free from demons and all kinds of things. What miracles are you talking about? They said, it's a miracle that you can just meet freely without fear of being killed. That's a miracle. They said, and we have to take one Bible and we have to divide it between 50 people. That is a miracle. You, in America, you can have 20 Bibles. 
with no fear. That's a miracle. We want to see those miracles in China. And then we come in here, and I'm not trying to be judgmental, but we come in and we're like, Greatness of our God. Movies are on afterwards. We have the opportunity to stand in the assembly and to worship the living, breathing God. And we're bored. I want to see those miracles too, but I want to see those miracles in our church. I want to see us worshiping passionately because of the greatness of our God. So these are all principles. These are all things that we can do to observe our own repentance before the Lord, right? But ultimately, it's only his grace and his mercy and his kindness that can change us, that leads us to repentance. There's always this, this balance for me between... I. I totally believe that it is by grace we are saved through faith, not of our own works, lest any man boast. However, I also know that we have the choice at times to decide if we want to live a life that is blessed or a life that is mediocre or worse. Okay? I want to live a life that's fully blessed. I want to be totally surrendered to God. And I want that for you. Because it doesn't have to be so hard Okay, yes, Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I've overcome the world. Living a life of faith, true, pure faith, that you really believe that God is who he says he is, you really believe that he's good, you really believe that he's for you, and that he actually likes you, that's a way better way to live than, oh, I've got all this sin, so I can't go into church because God's mad at me. And Who wants to live like that? Anybody? Volunteers? <laughs> Romans 2.4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? It's not the wrath of God that turns us from our sin. It's his kindness. Romans 3.27, Can we boast then that we've done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith, not by obeying the law. It says the righteous will live by faith. Righteous doesn't mean that you're better than other people, right? It means you're in alignment with who God has called you to be. You are right before God. And if we do any of these things, the fasting or the going to church or the reading the Bible or any of these things as a little checklist, thinking that we're going to earn God's approval or even giving, when we give and we're like, okay, God, I tithed. Come on. That's called self-righteousness. God does not owe us anything. Okay, he breathed life into us, okay? Formed us out of dust. To dust we will return, but not who we are that will live with him for eternity. But he wants us to start living now. So we can respond to our maker. It says that the Levites cried out to the Lord their God with loud voices. And the leaders said, stand up and praise the Lord your God, for he lives from everlasting to everlasting. And they prayed, may your glorious name be praised. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise, for you alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and all the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. You preserve them all. And the angels of heaven worship you. This is the God who stoops down. This is the God who's trying to make a bridge to us so that we can know him. You know, I just, I I studied this new thing. It's this new constellation that they discovered and it's called the Canis Major, right? Means the big dog. It's the big dog 
constellation? Guess how big this thing is? Okay, we think that, you know, we think that we've kind of figured stuff out, right? The Canis Major, the big dog constellation, if you take a golf ball, Louis Giglio um, does a teaching on this. If you take a golf ball that represents Earth, set it at the base of Mount Kilimanjaro, which is six miles high. Earth, golf ball, Mount Kilimanjaro. Or you could take golf balls, cover the entire state of Texas two feet high. That's how big that constellation is. That constellation is twice as big, not as the Earth, not as the Sun, but as the Earth's rotation around the sun, twice as big. And this is the only the one that we can actually observe. The God who created that is the God who is drawing you to himself. And in the same way that he is infinitely massive, he's also infinitely interested in every single detail, so much so that he even knows how many hairs you have on your head. For some of you, it's easy to count. It's like, none. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that one in there. Um, so, you know, the Bible says to repent and be baptized. Repenting means to just change your mind, change your mind about these things, change your mind about whether or not you should confess this. You should. If you're feeling like you need to protect yourself or you're going to be humiliated or whatever, change your mind. If you've never fasted, change your mind about that. It's a blessing. If you don't think it's important for you to be involved with people who encourage you, change your mind about that. And get whatever it is out in the light. Just strongly encourage you, get it in the light today. Don't let your head hit the pillow. Can you start that song? And then we're going to ask the people for the baptism to come forward. But I would like you guys to stand. Can you turn it down just a little, Bruce? Please. Can you just lift up your hands before the Lord? You know, the word confess in the Old Testament is yada. It means to throw or to cast. It also means to confess, to throw out the truth to throw out what, what you've done, to just admit it, to be honest about it. And so right now, Lord, God of the heavens and the earth, the one who created the galaxies and all the stars, Lord, we confess to you, Lord. God, we have sinned. We have fallen short of your glory. Lord, and your word says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. But God, if we confess our sin, you are faithful. You are just to forgive us and to cleanse us, Lord. You want us to confess because you want to cleanse us, and we're so grateful for that, Lord. God, we don't want our strength sapped as in the heat of summer. God, we don't want our bodies to waste away because we're just so prideful that we can't bring it forward. God, we confess that we have fallen short of what you've called us to, Lord. We want to reap good things. We want to reap to your spirit so we can sow to your spirit, Lord God. Lord, we bless your name and we just exalt you, Lord. We praise you. And as we humble ourselves before your mighty hand, God, we thank you that your promise is to lift us up. We bless you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.